0: Well, hello and welcome to EPIC. My name is Tim Jones. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and we are so glad that you're here with us today. Uh, If you are joining us online, thank you so much for tuning in, and we are so appreciative that you are here for our services as well. Well, today we are wrapping up a few things today. Uh, We are wrapping up our two-week church-wide fast uh, that we are breaking today with communion, and then we are finishing our series called Not Again. Not Again. And so by a raise of hands, how many of you are ready to break your fast today? Yeah, there's a lot of you. First service, I mean, it was like everybody in the room was ready. So um, now how many of you are ready to eat some amazing desserts with like layers of chocolate and chocolate syrup and these candies that are dipped? I did that because I know a lot of you were fasting desserts. But anyways, um, you get to eat that today. All right. But if you are on a hardcore fast, uh, please be careful as you re-engage food uh, because you don't want a brand new porcelain friend today. So anyways, um, today we are finishing up our series called Not Again, and in this series we've been looking to turn our not again complaints into not again declarations because we've all been in a place uh, where we have said not again as a complaint. And in this series, we've been learning how to turn our, um, that into a declaration of not again. And so uh, the way that we've been doing that is by learning some of the steps that we need to take in order to have not again declarations. And so in the first week, uh, this is what we learned from Trent, uh, that step one, we have to admit we have a problem and ask God for help. And so he did an amazing job of unpacking that. And then Brian the second week showed us in step two that we have to face our failures and bury our past. So when we come to become Christ followers, um, it says that our old lives are gone and that we have a new life. That's what God gives us when we enter into a relationship with Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And then uh, Brian did an amazing job last week in week three of showing us step three, which is build your posse. And the way that we learn how to build our posse is by him teaching the song, I've Got Friends in Low Places. And uh, what you may have not known is that Brian is actually related to Garth Brooks. Um, It's Brian, yeah, Brooks. Uh, But anyways... He teed that up so well last week, you know. But check out uh, last week's message by watching it or online uh, because he did teach us that song. But, anyways, here's what he really taught us. Step three was this build your posse. We must intentionally build relationships with people who will build us up and not tear us down so that we can stick with our not again declarations. And so, uh, I want to encourage you this has been an amazing series uh, that's been life changing, I know, for some of you. Uh, as you've told me those things. And so if you miss any part of it, I highly uh, encourage you to watch or listen to it from our website at theepicchurch.com. Now today I want to shift gears and I want to come to kind of the end of this series and I want to talk about winning, Now, that may sound kind of strange at first, uh, but I'm curious, by a raise of hands, how many of you like to win? Raise your hands. Don't be shy. Yeah, a lot of us like to win. Um, By a raise of hands, how many of you are sitting by someone that likes to win? Yeah, now I did that because they're upset with you right now. You got to raise your hand. They didn't, okay? That's how competitive they are. And some of you are laughing because you know, you just got to win. See, I take care of you. But anyways, um, and then how many of you by a raise of hands uh, would like to win at your not again moments in life? Yeah, all of us would. So let me share something about uh, myself that you may not know, uh, but I love to win, I really do. Now, you, when you meet me, you might get thrown off kind of by my quiet mannerisms, how, you know, just easygoing I am, glass-wearing, amazing dad bod physique. Um, <laughs> but underneath it all, I really love to win. And when I set my mind to something, it's on. And so a number of years ago, uh, when Sarah and I were living in Atlanta, um, my brother-in-law challenged me to race in the half marathon on Thanksgiving Day. They have a marathon, and a half marathon. And uh, now I'm not a runner, but if I'm going to do this, I'm all in, okay? And remember, we live in Atlanta, and they've got hills. I mean, big hills, okay? Not like Florida, where it's flat. And so I thought, you know, I've got to do some training. Uh, because I'm not going to just barely cross the finish line and like crawling across the finish line. And so I started to do some research on how to train for a half marathon. And I came up with, man, I need a goal. Okay. If I'm going to run this thing, I need a goal. And so I would love to do this thing in two hours. All right. I, that, that's my goal. And so I start running those hills, and pretty soon I discovered uh, when I was training that I've got to reset my expectations if I'm going to run 13.1 miles, okay? And so, because those were mammoth hills, so I came up with the goal of two hours and 20 minutes, and I thought, man, that sounds good, nice and round numbers, you know, it's just under 11-minute miles, Uh, that will be my pace for this first half marathon, And so the day of the race comes and they set you up according to like how fast uh, you run. So in those groups, and I thought to myself, you know what, I'm not going to run with my group. I'm going to run a few groups behind my group because I don't want to like get beat, you know, I don't want to get like passed or left in the dust. And so I much rather win true confession. Okay. And so I start a couple groups behind my group and I start the race and man, I am passing people and I'm loving it. Okay. And then some people start passing me. That wasn't so fun. I did not like that, but I said, you know what? I've got to stick to my pace and my race. Now, as I'm running, one of the things that I did not like and started to get on my nerves real quick uh, was what I call not-again runners, okay? So there's this one woman who would uh, zoom past me, and she would run out of gas, and then I would pass her, okay? Okay and a few minutes later, she would zoom past me and run out of gas, and I'd pass her again. And this kept happening over and over for two and a half hours, and so again and again. And I'm thinking, I've got to stay focused. I've gotta run my pace, run my goal, don't get distracted, you know. But she kept doing it, okay? So near the end of the race, um, I'm like, not again. If this woman, goes past me it's game on okay i kid you not and so we're about to like go up this mammoth hill they say it's the biggest one of the day and so sure enough she zooms past me runs out of gas and so i crank up the speed i'm like i got some stuff in the tank here we go all right and so i'm running and we start going up this hill it's not a hill okay it's a mountain i mean it was just mammoth all right And as I'm thinking that, I'm going, oh my goodness, son, this is crazy. She zooms past me up the hill and makes that hill look like it was nothing. And I'm thinking, not again. And so I so badly wanted to like kick it in gear and chase after her, but I had nothing. I mean, I had nothing left in the tank, you know? And so I go ahead and finish the race and here's a picture of me finishing the race, uh, right here in the red circle. That's me in the shadow and everything. I'm proud to say I finished it in two hours, 20 minutes and 31 seconds. Yeah, I hit it. Now what you won't see is that this woman was already sitting down in the picture and resting and I photoshopped her out of the picture. I kid you not, all right? True story. Now the reason I tell you that story is that we have to lock in On what's the win? What's the win? We have to ask ourselves that question. Um, And the reason that we have to ask that question is that we need to know what we're running towards. We have to have a purpose. We have to have a direction that we're running towards and know where we're going. Because if we don't, then too easily someone can come along and we try to keep up with them, or we try to outpace them, and we're not sure if they're running the right race or anything. And so we've got to determine in our hearts, what's the win? What's the win? And so today we're going to define that. And I want us to define the win for ourselves. And the reason for that is that that will give us the motivation so that we do not have not again complaints. Instead, we can have not again declarations. And so that's where we're heading today. If you would, turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, verse 9, or on your YouVersion uh, Bible app. And today we're going to be looking at a man who ran his race so well, and my hope is that we will learn from him and that we can also uh, set up our win statements uh, to help us in the direction of life that we want to go, uh, because maybe some of us have never thought about that. And so if you don't have a Bible, always feel free to grab one from the back, uh, or you can download the free uh, Bible uh, YouVersion app on your smartphone device. But go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, verse 9, and I'll give you a moment to get there. All right, now, as you're turning there, let me give you a little bit of uh, background information on the Apostle Paul. Okay, uh, After Jesus came back to life from the dead and then he ascended into heaven, uh, there were hundreds of Jewish people, hundreds of them, that uh, became Christ followers because they came face to face with the living Savior. Their lives were changed. Now, Paul, who used to be known as Saul of Tarsus, um, he was a religious leader who was tasked with hunting down these new Christians, and he was real good at it. And so his win in life was to protect the Jewish people, to protect the Jewish God. And so uh, he was so good at it that um, he started to put these Christ followers out of business by arresting them, by having them tortured, and even under his leadership, some were killed. And the reason he did that is because um, he did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah until one day when he came face to face with this living Savior, Jesus. And that encounter changed his life forever. And it also changed his win. And some of us need to hear that our wins can change in life. And it did for Paul as well. And so let's see how his wind changed and what was his new win. So starting in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9. Paul said, for I am the least of all the apostles. And so he's admitting right up front here, you know, hey, you look at all the disciples, you look at these guys, you know, I am um, the worse than any of them. You know, you know, Matthew, that guy who's the tax collector. I mean, nobody likes tax collectors. I mean, we don't like tax collectors. If you're a tax collector, we like you because you're here today. But uh, we don't like tax collectors, you know, um, He's even worse than Peter. I mean, Peter was like so in with Jesus, but yet, right on the night that Jesus needed Peter the most, he denies him three times. And so he even considers himself worse than Peter. And so he continues In fact, I am not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. But. And here's a huge marker in his life. But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me and not without results. Meaning, God did not uh, waste his time coming after me. Like, he helped me to overcome my past because he made me new. When I entered into a relationship and put my trust and faith in Jesus, he gave me a new life. Then Paul said, for I have worked harder than any of the other apostles, not because he's better than the other apostles, but because he works harder because he knows how thankful he is that God came into his life and that God intervened on his behalf. And so that instead of going in the wrong direction, now he is going in the right direction. Now, Paul, he knew All these amazing things that were happening in his life after he met Christ were a God thing. All the Jews and the non-Jews that uh, became Christ followers, all the churches that he planted, all the letters that he wrote, it was because of God. And so then he kind of shifts gears and he tells us the reason. He kind of says, hey, this is why this happened, okay? So I'm about to share with you Paul's win, Okay, and I'm not saying that you have to adopt his win, but I want to share his win because it will help us where we're at, and especially afterwards, after I unpack his win for us, and it will help us in the areas of life that matter most to us. So turn with me now to 1 Corinthians chapter nine, verse nineteen. It's just a few pages over, and uh, or scrolling over on your phones, and so this is important. Even though I am a free man, that means Christ is freedom. He has a right standing. Like God, you know, looks at him the same. And no matter how much he messes up, he looks at him as um, one of his own. With no master, I have become a slave. And so Paul's saying, you know what? I am so grateful. I don't know how to respond, but I'm going to put my life under the control of God. That's how serious I am. So I become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. So Paul, what's your win? And he would say, I want to win people. I want to win people. And so when I'm with Jewish people, I want to show them that Jesus was the Messiah. When I'm with people who are non-Jewish, those who are Gentile, all of us, I want them to know what God has done through his son for everyone, for everyone. And so then he goes on, verse 20. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. Paul, what do you mean? It's like, Paul, you're a Jew. Come on. Like, what do you mean by that? And he says, you know, when I'm with Jewish people, I want to show them that I am even more Jewish, okay, than they are. Because I want to influence them towards Christ, When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under that law, even though I am not subject to the law, meaning he didn't have to follow the Jewish law, you know, he was under a new law, and we'll get to that in a moment, but at the same time, he did not compromise his win. He didn't, like, cave in when he was around Jewish people. And then he says this, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. Then he shifts gears. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I respect it. I respect the Old Testament. But when Jesus came, the Old Testament law is done and Jesus has ushered in the new law. I obey the law of Christ. And Jesus stated this with his disciples in the Last Supper. He said, a new command I give to you, love each other just as I have loved you, so you should love one another. And we look at those disciples and we know how messed up they were. And Jesus hung in and loved them no matter what. And so we are to do the same thing. That's the love that we're supposed to show in every type of relationship that we have. And so basically Paul is saying here, hey, when I'm with the Gentiles, I eat like the Gentiles, I drink like the Gentiles, I dress like them, I you know walk like them. I can, do, I can mix with anyone and everyone. And why? Because I have my North Star fixed. I know my win and I'm charging at it, okay? Because I want everyone to know what God has done for them because that is my win. Now, a long time ago, Um, When I was really young, I felt like God was asking me to step up and join him in making disciples of the world. And I was at a really young age, and I thought, you know, that's what I want to do. And so that's my win. And so in middle school and high school, um, I was able to lead many of my friends to Christ. And then when I got into college, I continued to lead people to Christ, but I also showed them how to have a relationship with God and how to grow in their relationship with God. And so since then, that's just been part of my life. I meet with guys on a regular basis and I have been uh, since college and I show them how to have a relationship with God and how to grow in their relationship with God. Now moments, I've had bad moments. I've had some awful moments in my life. Sometimes I've been real selfish in my life and I haven't been close to God in my life. But here's what I found over the years. No matter how much I fall down, God is right there to pick me up. And he has been cheering me on and cheering me on. And I may fall a dozen times, but he's saying, get up, Tim. I'm here with you. In fact, hold my hand and let's run. And sometimes I'll even run with you and I'll even carry you in some of those moments. And so regardless of where you're at in your race, realize at any moment you can stick out your hand and enter into a relationship with Jesus and he'll be th- with you in your race of life. Let us continue on with what Paul says. So in verse 22, he says, "When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ." Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone. And here's something important, doing everything, doing everything I can to save some. So doing everything, like, what does that mean, Paul? And so it means Paul was focused. He had thought things through. He organized his life, his time, his resources to win some. His w- win was to win people. Now, it wasn't something that he wished for or dreamed of doing or kind of desired to do. Uh, he took action to do it. And he stayed laser focused. And my question as I, you know, research this, it's like, well, how did he stay laser focused? And so what he reveals next is profound. Now, when I read it, it's not going to sound profound. And I'm going to unpack it for us because it needs some unpacking. But it is profound because it has the ability to change our lives and to help us in our not-again complaints and instead make them into not-again declarations for the areas of life that matter most to us. And so he uses a sports metaphor to explain this. So he's going to start to explain it, and then we'll get to it. But he says, don't you realize that in a race everyone runs? Yeah, Paul, we get that. Nothing new. But only one person gets the prize. Yep, we understand that. You know, in an athletic competition, you know, it's pretty obvious that uh, how we're doing because we're up against some competition. You know, when we run, either people are in front of us or they're behind us. Or in football, people line up right in front of us. There's a scoreboard. We know exactly how we're doing. If you're a cheerleader, you know, in a competition, there's a score that's to beat. There's a team that went before us, and we've got to beat that score. But in the areas of life that matter most, such as in dating or in marriage or parenting or uh, our finances or work or our bad habits and all of those things, it's hard to identify the win. There is no scoreboard. There is no crowd cheering for us. But Paul says, lock onto this and this will help you to run your race in life. So this is what Paul said, and here's where it's profound, okay? Verse 24, don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? And here it is. So run to win. Run to win, okay? So we've got to run in such a way to get the prize, You know? So the implication is for our lives, we've got to run with urgency, we've got to run with focus, we've got to run with intensity, and we've got to get after it. Okay? We've got to pay the price. We've got to work hard. We've got to remain disciplined because there's so many distractions in this world that will take us away. And so if we want to win, then we've got to stay in the race and we've got to have it and think of it as a win. And when we do, it'll be worth it. That's where we want to win. We don't want to have those not-again complaints. So he goes on, and he impacts us. Verse 25, all athletes are disciplined in their training. Now, he's speaking to the audience in Corinth, that city, and they had what we need to know about are these games that happened outside of Corinth every, like, two years. It was almost like the Olympics. And many people went into strict training, okay, And so uh, they wanted to pay the price to win. They knew they had to say no to some things in order to uh, train and to win. Now, these games, they were violent, okay? Some people got maimed. Some people were uh, like that the rest of their lives. And so this was hardcore. This was something that you had to be focused on, or you could lose your life, or you could lose a limb, okay? So Paul says, now, they do it to win a prize that will fade away. So if you won, you actually won this like crown of leaves, and it's like, woo-hoo, crown of leaves, you know? I mean, it looked good for a couple days, but eventually it just started to get brittle and crack and be gone. And so Paul's being sarcastic. If you think he's being sarcastic, he is. Because he's trying to make this point. He says, now, think about how much time and energy and training that they have put in to win this crown, this crown that won't last. But you, who are Christ's followers, I say to you this, but we do it for an eternal prize. Now, this is so important. You know, he says, because of what's at stake, I don't want to get to the end of my life and wondered if I Really won. I don't want to get to the end of my life and wonder, like, did I miss the mark? You know, isn't that what we're fearful of? You know? I mean, how many of us, you know, we want to know that our lives counted for something? That our lives counted for the right thing. And so Paul says, that's why you've got to imagine that this is a race and that you're amongst other competitors. But he was so thankful that God turned his race into the right race because he didn't want to get to the end of his life and be in the wrong race. So then he continues on, verse 26. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Now, isn't that what many of us have done to win? I mean, we've all won at something, you know? I mean, even if it was last place, you won, right? You know? But anyways, you know, we have all put in some work in order to win, and we know what that takes because we've deeply cared about something. Now, Paul, I love how he gets honest and he gets transparent because he's about to share his fear, and he did that on a regular basis. I mean, the guy had so much humility, and so that's what I love about Paul. I know that this guy is writing from his heart, and what he's saying is real. He shares his um, fear, and his fear was that he did not want to lose the privilege of telling others about Christ. And he says this, he says, otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I, might, I myself might be disqualified. So the reason he could identify his loss so well is that he had defined his win so well. Let me say that again. The reason he could identify his loss so well is because he had defined his win so well. He knew that how that helped keep him from his not again moments or failures. So here's Paul's bottom line, okay? He says, "I'm going to prepare and compete as if my competition was lined up beside me or star or staring in front of me." So Paul says, "I'm going to live my life with all the Focus and energy as if my life was a part of a competition and there's people around me and I'm in some type of race. And Paul, uh, he doesn't want to get to the end of his life and allow uh, himself to be disqualified because he wasn't prepared to go the distance or win. And we all get that. I mean, what he's saying is something that we already know. Because we don't win just by wishing for something or hoping for something or uh, praying for something. We win because we prepared to win. We win because we start out with saying, that is the win for my life, and now I'm running with purpose and discipline towards that finish line. And that's what Paul wants for all of us. And that's what he experienced in his life. Now, don't answer this question out loud, but what's your win? What's your win when it comes to dating or to marriage or parenting, work or finances or your habit or anything that you find yourself saying, not again, Because the reality is that we will continue to cycle over and over again and again when we do not define the win in those areas of life that matter most to us. And God doesn't want that for us. And so let's be like Paul. Paul knew exactly what his win was. He knew exactly where he needed to run. And he ran and he said, you know what? I know that there are going to be things that I need to say no to, but I know the one who I want to say yes to. And so he ran. He ran to win. And so let me talk to you for a moment. Singles, you know, where are you at? What's the win for dating? You know, I meet so many people, um, w- and when they're single, uh, often it, they've just been through a bad relationship. They need some advice, they need some help. And I tell them, you know what? Just take the year off from dating. Get to know God, get to know what you want. Don't just date anyone, just don't hope that this is going to work out. Define where God wants you to go. God wants some amazing things for you. Write down what it is that you want in a person. Write down what it is that God wants you to have in a person. Don't do it again. For some of you who have been divorced, when I meet with people who have been divorced, I say, you know what, you should take two years off. And it's like, whoa, yeah, two years off. You know why? Because the stats don't lie. Second marriages don't last. The percentage of those are way higher. So figure it out. Do the hard work. Pay the price to figure it out. Now, those of you who are married, spouses, what's the win in your marriage? You know, sometimes we have that cliche of saying, we're best friends. Are you? Maybe the win for you is that there is nothing between you, that they know exactly everything about you. And what would it take for you to have that type of relationship Maybe it's going on regular dates on a regular basis. Maybe it's at the end of the day, you turn off technology and you talk to each other and you say, hey, how was your day? Or maybe in those moments, you pray together. So what is it going to take for you to set your course, to get on track, to run the race? Those of you who are parents, you know, what's the win for you in parenting with your children? You know, a good goal, it doesn't have to be a Bible verse, it's just, you know what, When my children grow up, I hope that on their own, they would like to come back, not like to live with you, okay, but to visit you, okay? And so what would that have to look like to set yourself up for that goal relationally with your children? So maybe it's like, hey, tonight we're having game night, you know, and we're putting away technology. In fact, we're not playing video games, we're playing good old fashioned board games or what games do you want to play? And we do that on a regular basis. Or maybe it's reading with your children every night and praying with them. Even if they don't understand, you just start that practice with them. And if you have students and teenagers, you know, and you're just ready to blow up. Now, if that's your goal, instead of if that is your goal, it helps you not to blow up because you know in that moment that they need you to listen. They need you. To be there for them, even though if they're not asking for it. Because one day you want them to be able to come home and visit you. So, what about you who are at work? We all work. What's your goal at work? You know, when we go into work, um, maybe our goal is, you know what, let's serve one another. And I'm going to go first. And so, when I see somebody who's in need, I'm going to serve them. And I'm going to serve them. And I'm going to continue to add value to their life on a regular basis. And those people will start to say, why does this guy do that? Why does this girl do this on a regular basis? And that will start to ask questions to you. And that will give you an opportunity to open up and share how your life has been changed through Jesus Christ. And you can invite them to Epic and you can share with them how your life has been changed. Or for some of you, I know during the fast, you've been fasting to break a habit, okay? And you've been saying, not again, And so what's the goal for you? The goal is, you know what? I am aiming to not allow this thing to control me, but God, I'm gonna let you control me instead. And so every time I'm going to go to scripture when I feel like taking that drink or when I wanna turn to drugs, every time I'm going to memorize of scripture, every time I'm going to chuck it. And so what is it that will help you to keep your focus on the prize. Now, I'm gonna say something that sounds pretty dramatic, but when you think about it, it is dramatic, okay? We only got one life to live. You only be 20 once, 30 once, 40 once, 50 once, and so on. You only get one shot at your first marriage. You only get one shot with raising your kids. You only get one shot with being a grandparent. What needs to change? We only get this life once. And he will be there with us, cheering us on. And so what is your win? That's what I want us to chew on. What is your win? So this week, what I'd love for you to do is to write down what's your win for life. And if that's too hard, write down what's the win in the area of my life that I want to take on this year with God's help. And next year, when we roll around in January, you will be able to look back instead of saying, not again. You will be able to say, not again. God, you helped me to run this race and I am running in a new direction with purpose and with you. So thank you. And I'll be reminded of that next year. And if you fall down, get back up. It's okay. He's with you. And so today, um, we are going to be closing in communion. And we're going to be closing in prayer today. And um, I want you to frame that up with God. I want you to tell him what is your win. Um, And so this is what we're going to do to close. Like I said, uh, we're going to take communion um, here in a moment. And just to remind all of us, communion is a time where we focus on Jesus and what he did for us and uh, thank him for dying on the cross uh, for our sins. And it's also time to kind of check our hearts. You know, when we entered into a relationship with him, sometimes uh, we do some things that are not pleasing and we kind of disrupt the relationship. And so if there's something as you pray that it's like, God, man, I've been doing this. Man, I just feel like I want to hide from you. Just say to him, God, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And so that's what we do. During communion. So let me walk you through how we do communion here at Epic. Uh, communion is open to anyone who's put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And so if you've done that, I want to encourage you to take communion with us. Uh, if you're watching online and you've got some juice and some bread, go get it and uh, join with us in communion as well. Um, but here's the reason we take communion Jesus commanded it, and He commanded it to help us remember the ultimate price and how much he loves us that he died on the cross for everyone's sins and when we put our faith and trust in him our sins are forgiven and it reminds us what he did in his great love and we find that in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11:23 on the night when he, Jesus, was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. And that's what the bread represents. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. And that's what the juice represents. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death and remembering it until he comes again. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pray and the band's gonna come out. And as I pray, that's your time to talk to God, excuse me, and thank him. And also, uh, just to check your hearts. Now, as I pray and when I close, that's your cue to go and take communion. We've got two tables up front. We've got four in the back. And uh, if you need some more time to continue to talk to him, feel free to do that. Or if you'd like to come up and get the elements and pray off to the side. Um, but after that, we'd love for everyone to come back uh, to your seats and engage the song that we are singing and worshiping Um, with God and use this moment to say, God, for 2020, I am committing to doing this. I am committing to have not again complaints, but a not again declaration. And so this is my win. And so God, would you help me with my win? And he will. And so that's what we're going to do in a moment. And then after we sing that, uh, I've got two last things uh, to say to us. So let's go ahead and pray, and then you're free uh, to take communion. So Father, thank you so much for who you are. God, thank you that you have done an amazing work. We're so thankful for this series of Not Again. We all have Not Again moments. We all want to have Not Again declarations. So God, I just pray for everyone here today, God. I pray that you will give them clarity on what they need to declare this year. That you will give them strength to pursue it. And if they fall and tumble, that they will get up and they they will focus on the win that you have for their lives. You are cheering us on. You want us to take your hand You know how tough this life is. You came here. You defeated death once and for all. So with you, Jesus, anything is possible. And we're thankful for that. And so God, I just pray for each person here that they will experience that this year. That they will use this moment today to say this is my win. And I'm going to run and run towards it. And so, Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can go ahead and take communion. So our prayer for you this year is that you will win. It's a good win. And so we're praying for you. Uh, two things before we take off today. Uh, next week, you will not want to miss this series. Uh, we don't say that too often, but uh, this is our series that's entitled For Flagler. If you are wondering where Epic is going and why we do the things that we do, uh, this is a series that we are going to unpack all of those things. We are in 10 years of being Epic, and we are going to unfold the next chapter of Epic. And so it's going to be exciting. We would love for you to be here next week. And then also today, uh, be sure if you are interested in Financial Peace University uh, to go and check that out. That'll begin about five minutes after the service. So thank you so much for being here today, and we'll see you next week.